0: Hey there world changers, I got inspired to put out a second free chapter from my audiobook version of How to Save the World because I wanted to put out this chapter I wrote about your creative genius zone. I talk about creativity a lot, I'm a creative person myself. And often the creative message I'm putting out there doesn't seem to resonate that much with engineers and scientists and the sustainability folk I am working with and talking to every day. But I wanted to put this chapter out to really hit home this concept that creativity matters. The only way we're going to change the world is by coming up with great ideas and innovations and new ways of doing things. And all of that is in the creative process. And I want to spread a revolution that changing the world is not about sacrifice and giving up. It is about discovering and practicing your greatest art form, your greatest contribution to the world and bringing your very best self. To get over these big environmental hurdles, it's not just going to take giving up straws and cups, and it's also not just going to take governments changing some laws and then bingo, the earth is saved. It's going to take epic innovation that's far more like the mission we went on going to the moon in the 1960s than it is about giving up plastic bags and stuff, although that is obviously part of it. We need deep, long-term problem solving. That's not just a single action, but that is decade after decade after decade of your life's work doing this type of epic technology and innovation and building movements and changing the mind space of society. And all of that is a deep, deep creative process. And when I'm talking about creativity, that's what I'm talking about. And your job as a world changer, is to find your life's purpose in this epic quest and this deep innovation that it's going to take to truly save the world. It was challenging for me to write this chapter because I'm a trained engineer and I work as a software designer or I'm writing about academic studies. So trying to get into words why I believe that this creative energy matters so much was a challenge. But I'm really proud of this chapter and I really hope you'll take the time to listen to it through the end and you'll be able to absorb some of these thoughts and philosophies about diving into your creative genius zone and why it matters so much. If you want to listen to the full audiobook of How to Save the World, you can get it on Audible and on Amazon or on my website at katiepatrick.com. The full audiobook is almost eight hours of evidence and tutorials and techniques of how to apply gamification and behavioral psychology to social and environmental change. I hope you get a chance to either read or listen to the book at some point. But for now, let's dive in to the chapter Your Creative Genius Zone. There is a vitality, a life force, an energy, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And because there is only one of you in all time, this expression is unique, and if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium, and it will be lost. Martha Graham, iconic dancer. Do you ever get a weird feeling like there's got to be more to life than this? Have you ever felt like you had a special kind of skill or a calling or some bigger reason for existing? I've had this feeling forever. I think you probably have it too. I believe this feeling is whispering to you that you are not yet operating from your creative genius zone and that you really need to be. What does your creative genius zone have to do with saving the world? Everything my friend. One main feature of creative work is that it involves making something that has not been made before. If you want to abolish air pollution, cover your city in green roofs, or get preschoolers to grow their own vegetables, you are going to have to come up with solutions and ideas that have not been done before. It is going to take epic imagination, big inspiration and momentous creativity to come up with the ideas, innovations and the social movements that will solve the world's many crises. The world's problems will not be solved by fighting an enemy, forcing a movement or sacrificing your own happiness. You need to dig deep into your own creative genius zone to come up with the ideas that we need to build a new world. This issue is so dear to my heart that I'm ready to scream it from any rooftop anywhere that creativity is the only limiting factor in saving the world. There's no need to draw your motivation from any sadness caused by the environmental destruction or human suffering you've seen. Be motivated instead by a positive vision for how beautiful you think the world could be. Your devotion to a cause should not be a sacrifice. It should be your greatest work of art. Do it because the art of designing a sustainable earth is the most beautiful, complex, and enriching craft that you could ever devote your life to mastering. The creative continuum. Creativity can sometimes get typecast as gentle hobbies like watercolor painting on weekends or embroidering pillows. I have a deeper philosophy of what creativity is all about, and I think it's much bigger and more fundamental to our time here on Earth than we realise. I think it's even embedded in the nature of the very atoms that make us up. Working at the coalface of difficult world problems can be challenging, and so it's important for us to get a bigger bird's eye view perspective on the craft of world changing. When we get involved in a cause, it's normal to look a couple of hundred years back in recent history and see the industrial devastation and human rights abuses, and then look at the world today and all that is wrong with it. In this narrow slice of time, we can often see only the discrete traumatic events. A forest felled, a seabird dead from eating its body weight in plastic, a polluted city skyline, or whatever outrage is littering social media feeds. But what if we zoom our perspective of time out a little, or a lot? What does our time here on Earth look like when viewed as part of a spectrum of a million or even a billion years? When we look at the origin of the universe and its own evolution, a fascinating perspective of increasing beauty and complexity emerges. The universe didn't start with all the planets, stars and atoms it has now. It started with a field of energy. Out of the energy field came subatomic particles, and after a while, they started to stick together to form atoms. Inside the furnace of the universe's early stars, small atoms bonded together to make larger atoms. Atoms then crystallised into molecules, and molecules ultimately bonded into planets. Then came one of the biggest leaps of all, molecules started to self-replicate and these self-replicating molecules formed dna the origin of life then from the chemical desire of dna molecules to replicate themselves came the first amoebas fish dinosaurs chameleons and more recently humans this increasing complexity continued as human and animals started to use tools it didn't take long relatively speaking For primitive tools and crafts to evolve into machines like cars, aircraft, microchips and Wi-Fi. The more technology we had, the more art people could make. Technology enables the making of music, paintings, dance, architecture, fashion, books, stories and films. It's all part of the universe's invisible, creative hand. This story is told beautifully by Kevin Kelly in his book What Technology Wants. Kelly explains the relationship between biological evolution and technological evolution, eloquently hypothesizing that our rapidly growing technical complexity is a natural extension of biological evolution. No one knows why this energy that started the universe keeps evolving into ever more complex and advanced molecules, organisms, machines, social structures, and artwork. I choose to believe that it's an inherent inbuilt creative force that runs through all of us right down to the energetic bonds in our DNA. And our purpose in life is to embrace it, to live it, to inhale it and to manifest what it wants of us. We aren't just blobs of animal life consuming food and electricity and stuff with nothing more to contribute to the world than our environmental footprint. We are part of something big a majestic universe-scaled symphony of energy, atoms and life that has come together to create things, and it is evolving ever more quickly. The universe is not beckoning us to go back into the hut or be stuck feeling ashamed and angry at the world's littered plastic. The universe is beckoning us to evolve. Technology has enabled massive destruction. It's enabled us to cut down trees faster, make chemicals more poisonous, and burn ever bigger mountains of coal. But it's also enabled great improvements. The invention of toilets stopped children from dying of cholera. The printing press brought books, literacy, and education to entire populations. The invention of the catalytic converter slashed the heavy air pollution rates in the 1950s and 60s in developed countries. The world is filled with technological solutions that have made it an objectively better place. I love how these worlds by astronaut Neil Armstrong capture the powerful and innate drive humans have to explore, create, invent, learn and problem solve. Open quote. I think we're going to the moon because it's in the nature of the human being to face challenges. It's by the nature of his deep inner soul we're required to do these things just as salmon swim upstream, It's common for people who have completed great creative works or made scientific breakthroughs to say that it wasn't really them who made it or that they channeled some kind of external force. When we give ourselves over to the creative force and channel it, it takes us over and beautiful things can be born. Some people are scared of technology, but there is no need to be hesitant about diving in. The world's progress moves forward at the speed of technical breakthroughs. Seven years ago, I sat around a breakfast table in Silicon Valley with people who were building one of the world's first DIY satellites. And just five years later, a flock of these satellites now help forest NGOs detect deforestation and illegal mining as it's happening and stop it on the ground. Satellite technology directly helps to save the forest. It's breakthroughs in battery and charging technology that are allowing electric vehicles to replace gasoline-powered cars. Every environmental and social problem has a technology issue that needs to be broken down and reinvented. Recognize technology not as an evil or as something unattainable or overly difficult, but as a frontier in which you can invest your creative self to make a lasting, measurable impact. Magic in the Confluence Big leaps happen when people mix domains of knowledge that were previously separate. They come from mixing fields such as biology with hardware hacking, graphic design with civic engagement, architecture with mental health, or environmental science with theatre. Jesse Schell, the author of The Art of Game Design, talks about a delightful moment in his life when he was a young teenager learning to juggle at a juggling festival. He writes about how all the jugglers learn new tricks by basically just copying each other. There was one juggler he noticed who had a special style that no one else could copy. Apparently, he was magnificent and he emanated with an otherworldly quality of juggling style. He shared this with the young Jesse. Open quote. You want to know the secret? The secret is, don't look at other jugglers for inspiration. Look everywhere else. Close the juggler showed him a move he learned from the New York ballet, one move inspired by a flock of geese and another by a paper punch machine. Several other jugglers were trying to copy him, but they couldn't. Open quote. These guys can copy my moves, but they can't copy my inspiration. Close quote. Shell ends the story by saying, I wish I knew his name because his advice changed my approach to creativity forever. Adding game design to the confluence of your profession and the craft of world-changing teaches us to remove the shackles that our siloed careers plonk us in. Like a tree growing new branches, the world is full of emergent niches that are coming together in new confluences, If you haven't found your special niche, then reach outside your field and learn everything you can. Study storytelling, psychology, graphic design, public speaking, machine learning, whatever. Scour the world for what it has to teach you. I found magic by mixing data science, behavioral psychology, and game design with environmental problems. I only discovered this trove of inspiration by walking far from my conventional training in environmental engineering and sampling widely until I got my own special recipe just right. Knowledge and the virtuous cycle of creativity. We often think that creativity is some God-given gift that doesn't really have a structure. We think it just happens, bam, like a lightning bolt from the sky, or only grows from people who wear funny glasses and work in quirky designer office spaces. Here's the secret to unleashing your own creative potential. It's entirely dependent on learning. The more knowledge you have, the more creative you can be. When you can learn how to program an Arduino microcontroller, you can make a light that flashes color to communicate something important. When you learn graphic design software, you can make signs, books, and stickers that get people to do more good things. When you understand the thermal properties of materials, You can redesign buildings to save energy. Everything you learn is an investment in your creative engine. Think of the sheets of music a pianist needs to learn in order to compare a new symphony or the nuances of light and shade that an illustrator needs to study in order to create art. A world changer needs to study too. All of the conversations you've ever had with interesting people, the data tables you've analyzed, and the reports you've scoured are stored in your mental hard drive. Your imagination scans that hard drive every time you are thinking through a problem. All this knowledge is translated into creativity. Enlightenment is now. Even though it's easy to think that everything on the planet is getting worse, it's not true. The world is actually getting better, much better. If you zoom out 1,000 years, you can see the remarkable progress of human civilization. Every decade, things get better on nearly everything you could want to measure in just about every part of the world. The line is not linear, and sometimes things get worse before they get better, but overwhelmingly, the trend is upward. A lot of people find this hard to believe. Harvard professor Steven Pinker illustrates a detailed thesis on the evolution of humankind in his book, The Better Angels of Our Nature. Out of a frightfully violent history, and into our recent awe-inspiring progress of relative peace, safety, and stability. A related book, Factfulness by Hans Rosling, shows how many of the things we fear, nuclear weapons, dictatorships, violent crime, infant mortality, and many more, are all becoming less common. It's actually pretty hard to find something that is not getting better. Even when it comes to carbon emissions, the seemingly intractable environmental issue of our time, American emissions have been declining since the late 2000s. We are not out of the woods yet, but many developed countries have recently crossed the other side of peak carbon emissions. The upward spiral of humanity, which you are a part of, is making, and always has been making, extraordinary progress. I believe we are going through an era of massive planetary enlightenment. It's not the first one, or the last, but it is unique to our time on Earth right now. We are shedding many established ways of doing things. For example, exploratory learning styles are evolving out of the old guard of heavily structured school curriculum. The scientific community is validating the value of long-held spiritual practices like yoga, prayer and meditation. Machines continue to automate many functions that living humans used to do, everything from mowing lawns to selling books to answering the phone. Since history was first documented by the ancient Greeks, people have always yearned to answer the great questions of life. But modern progress has put us in a new position. We can no longer rely on the type of social structures that were common to our parents' era. Instead, our search for meaning has become individualised. We are all yearning to find our special calling. Many people are now desperately pursuing the search for meaning beyond money or extrinsic prestige in their careers. We need to upgrade not just our practical, technical skills to stay relevant in the new economy, but also to upgrade our inner self. All these things weave together. Humanity's progress out of violence, ever-increasing automation by technology, new scientific discoveries... It all leads us further into the inner quest to make our greatest contribution to the world in a way that feels as unique as our own fingerprint. This is our modern enlightenment. Example, some good things increasing. Democracy, harvest, protected nature and women's right to vote. Some bad things decreasing. Expensive solar panels, children dying, hunger and smoke particles. Your life's purpose, unique creativity, and measurable impact. Your creative genius needs more than to just be recognized and activated. It needs to be put to work and put to work in a way that isn't stuck in a desk drawer, a Dropbox folder, or in a garden for no one to see. Creativity needs to be put to work in the communities around us so that it can have an impact that is measurable. It's not meant to be trapped in a vacuum creativity's destiny is to be shared. I thought a beautiful metaphor to describe this interdependent relationship between creativity and measurable impact was the light prism that channels white light and turns it into a stream of rainbows, like the Pink Floyd album cover. We need to cultivate our own creative energy, like the white light on the left-hand side of the prism, and channel it through a project or job that has the capacity to turn our efforts into change, our unique signature magnified and shared with the world. Creative expression doesn't need to be fancy or born out of privilege. If your creative genius comes out through growing your own tomatoes, you can look for a prism to channel your tomato growing gift. You might talk to your local school and volunteer to help the students grow tomato plants. And with this application of your craft, you can measurably influence hundreds of families to eat better, use less plastic, and get in touch with nature through gardening. Your homework, one hour per day in the creative genius zone. Your creative energy needs to be fed, and there is one nutrient it needs more than anything else. Time. Just like a plant needs water, creativity needs a specific allotment of time every day so it can grow. PhD psychologist Gay Hendricks explains in his book The Big Leap that working within one's genius zone is the key to happiness and enlightenment and pretty much everything else good in life. He says everyone has a genius zone, absolutely everyone. The book resonated with me because I had always felt that I had a special creative genius zone that I was meant to share with the world. But the voice of my genius zone had so frequently been crowded out by all the junk advice you hear like get more things done faster, answer all your emails, you're not smart enough to do that, save more money or write down all the calories you eat for each meal. I was never really sure that getting behind my genius zone was the best move. It always seemed a little crazy, self-indulgent, and perhaps even irresponsible. Perhaps you have felt that way too. I made a commitment to myself two years before this book was published that I would invest exactly one hour every day into my creative genius zone of putting together the story in this book. What happened was incredible. I immediately tumbled into the slipstream of intensely focused inspiration. I created the talks, friendships, meetup groups, a podcast, and concept designs that I had been wanting to for years. From a PowerPoint I had sketched out a few years earlier, I created this book. A commitment of only one hour suddenly turned into two years of work. I've had similar experiences with different projects that ebb and flow between frustration, boredom, and great inspiration. But every time I reground myself and commit to spending one hour or one whole day digging into my creative genius zone, incredible things happen, and they happen quickly. I want you to make a commitment to spend one hour per day doing something that digs right into the core of your creative genius zone. Do the thing you always wanted to do, the thing you have been afraid to do. Do the thing you never had time to do. It's easy not to do it. There is every valid excuse anyone could ever invent. To avoid it diving into your creative genius zone takes guts and the time you devote to it usually needs to be fought for ruthlessly but it's worth it your creative genius zone is where the magic happens it's where the great works of art beautiful songs speeches and scientific breakthroughs come from if you truly want to save the world which i think you do Your path to saving the earth you love and becoming the person you want to be will come when you make the creative genius zone part of your daily modus operandi and focus doggedly on drawing it out of you so much that it becomes the core identity of who you are. Think beautifully. Don't waste your life paddling in the shallows of your calling. Move past your fears of letting your creative self out to play and push whatever it is you make to be a more brilliant version of what it was the day before. That's where the mind-blowing, world-changing moments that inspire generations come from, and yours will too. The environmental movement has become so burdened with a sense of guilt of stopping bad things happening, we have forgotten to cultivate our own joyful creative energy Who knows what you could spark when you fearlessly unearth your own creative self-expression. Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. When we can all grow this kind of inspired fertility in ourselves, we can grow it in the world. It's time to give yourself permission to bloom. Let's flourish into our greatest potential and get to work making the vibrant world of our dreams come true. you enjoyed listening to this chapter on your creative genius zone. And I'm really thrilled that you managed to listen all the way to the end. If there was one thing that I could change in our sustainability movement or that I could inject into it, it wouldn't necessarily be more data or technology or behavioral psychology, which is the stuff that I practice day to day and that I talk about. What I would choose was trying to crack open people's creative energy, to crack open that type of passion that is not just joining a one-off movement or a one-off behavior. It's this deep investment in devoting your life's work to unraveling these enormous challenges and really putting on your boots and rolling up your sleeves about doing the hard work it takes to innovate over these very complicated things that we work on, and maybe even really change them. I mean, we might have 20, 40, 60 years to devote our lifetime to making change happen. And who knows what we can do in that time if we really put our creative selves first and foremost in our life's journey. If you want to listen to the full audiobook, you can get it on Audible. You can also get it through Amazon or on my website, Katiepatrick.com. You can jump into the full eight hours of behavioral psychology and gamification. I sprinkled in with many of my thoughts and philosophies about how I think we should upgrade the whole environmental and sustainability industry. And of course, if you like the print version, you can get the book on Amazon. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you for the next episode.